The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning and welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Mary McKenna in for Kelly Scanlon and our guest today is the president of Innovate to Grow. It's a leading front-end innovation consulting company and host of the Innovation Best Practices podcast with listeners in 72 countries. I'm impressed. President of Blue Sage, a highly innovative, rapidly growing client-focused graphic design company and was formerly a senior leader and executive for 16 years with Procter & Gamble also, and this really piqued my interest because we all know how much I love wine, uh, was the vice president of marketing at the Gallo Winery for 10 years at Ernest Gallo's. Professor at Arizona State University School of Management Teaching and Upper-Level Marketing, Innovation, and Leadership classes for six years. Please welcome Richard Hasnot as our guest today. And an author, did I say an author? I believe I left that off. Author of six books, including Proven Practical Innovation That Delivers Results. And now I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Mary, great to be with you. I I will tell you just a quick story. So I'm going to develop an excuse for myself here. Um, At the Gallo Winery for 10 years, we had, and you would love this, uh, wine tastings virtually every night. Well, the downside of that is when you have wine tastings every night for about 10 years, you you, you lose a lot of brain cells. <laughs> so if I say anything in the course of our conversation today that you go, what did he just say? I'm going to blame it on the wine tastings. Mm. Well, see, I have wine tastings every night, too. They're just not uh, sanctioned by any company. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Moving right along, we are going to talk about successful innovation today, and I am intrigued on a way to have a number, many, many high-quality ideas. You say at least 12 times more ideas than in a typical brainstorming session that I believe any company would love to hear about when they need to solve a problem or, you know, optimize an opportunity. What in the world are are you talking about, Richard? Well, I've been in the innovation field, Mary, for, for decades. And I very early on realized that uh, just as a car runs on gasoline, or if you've got a Tesla or electricity, innovation runs on ideas. So if you're going to be successful with innovation, you need ideas. So I have a good friend that was a fellow brand manager at Procter & Gamble, a guy by the name of Doug Hall, who left Procter & Gamble in 1986, founded a place called Eureka Ranch, and Doug pioneered a process that led to conducting two studies at Oklahoma State University that confirmed the process he was using that I call quantum idea generation produced at least 12 times more ideas than brainstorming. Then my team later on took all of his work and took it to a higher level. And while we've not conducted the university studies, everybody agrees that version 2.0 of this now generates at least 20 times more ideas than brainstorming with all of the increase coming in higher quality ideas. So that's a little bit of the pedigree and background of this. And I'll just add one other thing. 
for years, companies have paid my company uh, six-figure sums to bring this process into their companies and to solve some of the most challenging innovation uh, problems and opportunities that they've ever had in the history of the company. And we've solved them all. But you're going to give us that for free today, right? Hello? I'm going to give it to you for free. (laughs) Yes. Hello? Yes. Good, good, good. Yes, here it comes. Here comes the free stuff. Here's how you do it. And and this is simple, passes the common sense test. And I want I, I want all of your listeners to be able to start doing this as soon as they get off the call. There's four four things that you need to do to generate at least 12 times more ideas. First, you can't count on yourself or a couple of close friends to develop ideas. The first element of quantum idea generation is you need to bring together a talented and diverse group of people, people that think differently than you, that have different experiences than you, that have different skills than you do. It's important that you bring this group together very consciously and purposefully, because if you just rely on a bunch of people that think like you do, it's going to be very difficult. For example, when we go to a company and talk to them about this, we share with them the following insight that is well proven, and that is it is very difficult to get out-of-the-box thinking from people who live in the box. So you need to get people that live outside of the box of your experience and bring them into a creative session. So diversity is number one, and it is a very powerful booster to idea generation. Well, are we talking bringing in a focus group every time you have a problem you need to solve? It's a good question. Um, Ideally, I'm going to give you a sense here. Um, I'm going to, of what we do with your companies. Here's the diversity we bring into a room. We will bring in a hand-picked group of the top talent within the client company, like Nestle or Procter & Gamble or Kimberly Clark or any other company like that. We will bring in top people from R&D, marketing, research, all of that. The second group that we bring in is we go out and find in the United States and the world, quite frankly, top experts in the area that the client needs to solve their problem. Let me give you an example. We had a client, Nestle, who had a problem they had been unable to solve for more than three years. They'd had multiple consulting companies come in to try and solve it. The second part of diversity that we brought into this session, Mary, was that we went out and found three top experts at Cornell, Penn State, and Ohio State that were running research exactly in the area that Nestle needed to solve their problem. And Nestle, even though they have a very robust R&D group, was unaware of this research because it hadn't been published yet. And in the third group that we brought in is people from my company, Innovate to Grow Experts at i2ge.com. And they're just people that are very experienced at inventing and everything. So three groups of people, people from inside the box at Nestle, people that have relevant expertise at a very high level from outside the company, and then people like in my company who are very creative and know business very well. Fast forward to noontime of the first day of a two-day session, and the top person from Nestle came up to me at noontime and said, Richard, what I want to know is why didn't we know this? Because you have solved our problem that we could not solve in three years by hiring other consulting companies. We could not solve that in over three years, and you solved it in four hours. Well, the truth of the matter, I didn't solve it. Everybody in the room solved it. So that is the power of diversity. 
Nestle had never tapped into the quality of diversity that we brought into the room. Let me bring this down to small and Thank uh, you. small business. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. It's like, what about Bob Smith and he makes widgets and he has 10 employees. Now, go from there. Okay. Let me give you a real life example of a plumbing company, a plumbing company in Phoenix, Arizona that focused on building apartment buildings. Uh, I was the executive coach to the president of the company, and I was with him one day when he uh, got a call and had a very serious problem on a multi-million dollar construction project. And I said to him, let's use quantum idea generation to solve your problem. Well, I needed diversity. Where was I going to get the diversity? I said said to John, uh, my client, I said, John, can you get the contractor to send a couple of people down? He said, sure. Can you get your top two people in your company to come from another job site and come over? Sure can. And then you and I will go over. So we had a total of six people with very diverse experiences solving a problem that the architect had created. They had not allowed for certain technical specifications for the plumbing to be done in this very large apartment building. Well, I engaged the same principles that I've talked to you about. We could not have solved the problem if we didn't have the diversity of thinking and experience in that session of six people on the job site. All of us with hard hats on, looking around and using the building itself as a stimulus. So you can gather. Here's the important point, Mary, to this. If you're trying to solve a problem, don't try to solve it by yourself. Find other smart people who have relevant experience or are just just creative problem solvers in their own right and be able to bring them into a small group. The group can be as small as three, four, or five people. But you want to try and solve the problem with people that have diverse skills and experiences. Here's what happens when you do that. You will at least double and triple the quantity of ideas that you get versus trying to solve it yourself. And all of the ideas that you get above beyond what you would do are better ideas than you would have alone by yourself. So more ideas, better ideas, either at a small level out at a job site with a plumbing company or big international companies like Nestle. Our guest today is Richard Hosnote, and he is talking about innovation, success, and proven ways that you can get ahead of your competitor. We have just barely uh, scratched the surface but we will do a little more scratching. I've got a niche to scratch in just minutes, and uh, we'll do that right after this. We all want to run a smarter business, but how? The answer is ShopKeep, the iPad-based point-of-sale system that makes it easy to run a smarter business from accepting payments, tracking inventory, running marketing campaigns, and managing employees. ShopKeep does it all, taking the guesswork out of running your business. ShopKeep is just $49 per month with no long-term commitment. That includes ShopKeep Pocket, the app that lets you see your business's key performance data in real time, wherever you may be. Visit shopkeep.com forward slash smart today to begin your free trial. That's shopkeep.com forward slash smart. Hi, I'm Tamika Bryant. And I'm Christy Porter. We're here to talk about real estate that matters. We're going to talk about everything real estate. Anything you want to know from buying a house to selling a house, from investing in real estate to flipping real estate. We invite you to listen every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. or on demand with our podcast. Right here on Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio at blogtalkradio.com. Just tune in at 9 o'clock Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. <laughs> Can we just do that? 
9 o'clock. Don't touch it. Just sit by your radio and wait. Interested in growing your business? Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level, whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature. Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check them out at ithinkbigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing businesses. Visit them today at ithinkbigger.com. And welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Mary McKenna in for Kelly Scanlon today. And our guest today is Richard Hosnote. He is uh, an innovation expert. And we are talking about how to create more ideas for success and how to double your chances for success and how to beat a pesky and threatening competitor that might impede your success. What do you do when you've got a competitor that is, you know, knocking at the door, what do you advise your clients? The battlefield is not so much with the competitor as it is with your customers. A pesky competitor is trying to take your customers away from you. Well, they're only going to be able to do that if they provide a better set of benefits that meet customer needs than you can. This is the nexus of where the battle happens. What kind of benefits to meet the needs of customers? So if you've got a pesky competitor that is, in fact, taking customers away from you, you need to take a look at how you can up your game and deliver better and even more benefits than you're currently delivering today. If you get that focus, if you get that focus on the benefits that you're delivering, not just on pricing or how effective your sales presentations and salespeople are, but at the bottom line, the benefits that you're delivering to your customers, that is the beginning point for beginning innovation to figure out how can I develop a set of benefits that are dramatically better than what I'm now offering and more more importantly, dramatically better than what my uh, pesky competitor is offering. With that focus, you can then start developing through things like we were talking about a few minutes ago, quantum idea generation. And for your listeners that want to learn more about Uh, quantum idea generation on the free innovation best practices podcast on iTunes. They can listen to episodes one through six and they'll get a lot more detail on all of this. So what you want to do is focus on how can I dramatically improve the benefits that I'm delivering to my customers. Now, why do I say dramatically improve benefits that you deliver to your customers as opposed to, Hey, how how about 10% more? It's not going to get it done. The real world is that to be able to make an impact and to start taking away your competitors' customers, you need to have benefits that are dramatically better than what they're offering. What do I mean by that? Well, as I said just a minute ago, if I have 10% more of a benefit, that's probably not going to cause a customer to, to switch to me. Even if I have 20 or 30% more performance or uh, taste or something like that, it's not going to get the job done because customers are creatures of habit. And to get them to change their habits, you need to set the bar, set the bar at developing benefits that are dramatically better. What's an example of that? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to give you one that we all know, and it's very hard to emulate, but it, it at least will get across the degree of magnitude that you need. When Apple came out with the iPod, we all went, wow, what was the competition prior to that? MP3 players that could play one cassette at a time or CD players that could play one at a time. With an iPod, I could carry the darn thing around and have hundreds and thousands of songs on this little device. We went, wow, 
that is dramatically better than anything I've had before. So that's where you kind of need to set the bars, set the bar at being where customers will hear your news and go, wow, wow. I've got to have that. Well, you know, I have a different example. It's more for women who, who might be listening today. Hairstylists. Do you know how hard that is, Richard? There is no yeah, success, success story. It's just, it's impossible. When I find a, a mathematical equation on how to get somebody to do that, I'll, I'll, I'll buy into it. That's just impossible. Let me give you one idea. Uh-huh. I'm just going to... Yeah, just I'm throw just it out there. The here. There you go. Okay. Uh, about something I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Unencumbered by the thought process. But I don't that's good. Sometimes that's fresh, but you know? There are 10 different sources of innovation. I'm not going to get into all of them, but I'm going to give you one that I, that I think might be interesting to some people, and that is to change what we call your business model or how you price your service. For example, if a competitive hairstylist said, you can get a year's worth, unlimited number of times coming in for hairstyling for a set price or a certain price per month, you can come in an unlimited number of times. And you look at the price and say, my goodness, I, I could go in every week instead of every other week or once a month or whatever the, whatever the frequency is for you. <laughs> uh-huh. And you go, wow, maybe I should try that out. Because if I could get hairstyling every week instead of every other, every other week or once a month, that might be pretty darn good. So it, that might be enough. Just changing the way you price your service can make a major difference. And there's lots of examples of people who have not changed their fundamental service, in this case, hairstyling, but have changed their business model that have made it very attractive for a large group of customers to migrate from one place to another. Well, you know, that's interesting. And in, in the fact that you bring up price, because I'd like to ask you, one of your things that you do that your company does that you can come in and help if they reach out to, uh, is it uh, uh, experts, I2GE.com. Did I get that right? Innovate to Grow you Experts, sure I2GE.com. And, and it is the number two. How can you make more money in your business? I mean, you promise ways or options that you can make available where a business owner could make more money as soon as next month and then into the future. Does it entail rebuilding your business model? Quite frankly, rebuilding your business model is one of the fastest ways to make a dramatic difference in your bottom line performance very quickly. Here's why. Other forms of innovation, like I want to make a better tractor, or I want to make a better hammer, or I want to make a better MP3 player, or whatever it is, all that requires research, development, prototypes, manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that has long lead times associated with it. You could change your business model, the hairstyling example that I just shot from the hip on a couple of minutes ago. You could change your business model in a dramatic way that could immediately begin uh, improving your bottom line. Um, Mary, there are many companies that price very similar products in very different ways. And those ways make it very attractive for a large group of customers to do business with them. Let me just give you a very quick example. In the software business, some companies decide that they want to sell their software at a better price, and once the customer's bought it, they're essentially done with the relationship. Other people charge a much smaller price for very similar pro- for very similar software, but then get the customer to sign up to a year or two-year-long service contract. And the economic benefit of that package tends up tends to be very attractive 
to a number of customers who don't need to make the big upfront purchase, but can spread it out with a service contract over a period of years. That change alone has made big differences for very large international companies. So to answer your question, yes, how you price your product, the hairstyling example to software example that I just gave you, can be one of those ways it can make a very big difference. Now, what do you need to know? You need to know what your customers' needs are. You just don't go shooting from the hip in terms of the way you price your model. You've got to find out what their needs are. The software example was customers didn't want to spend the multi-million dollars on a software program up front, but could spread it over a period of years. There are a number of customers for whom that was a major benefit, and therefore they chose that company instead of others. What is the biggest mistake that a business owner is making these days when you come in and and they may have one issue that they say, Richard, we need you to help us solve this problem or discover an answer to this question. But I believe that there's a commonality between large corporations and small business owners as well. Can you cite any one or two issues that continually or repeatedly that they make mistakes on? a great question. And the answer is really the same for large companies and small. And I, I have, in over the course of my career, Mary, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs who've taught me a lot, and I've worked with a lot of large corporations. Here's the number one thing that they fail to realize, and I've talked a little bit about it before, and that is how much of a difference you need to make in your business if you're going to grow your business. Because there's, here's the dynamic. To grow your business, you need, in almost all cases, you need to get a customer who you don't have now to switch from their current supplier, your competitor, to your business. So many companies underestimate by a wide margin how much it takes, how much of a better product, how much of a better service, how much of a better business model, whatever it is, how much of a difference you need to get a customer to switch from whatever product they're using now to yours. And that's where we get back to, you need to have a dramatic improvement in your business. So many people think, oh, I've got a good brand, I've got good selling relationships, boy, that alone is gonna make the difference. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Here's one fact that people need to remember, and this is a sobering fact. In the last over 30 years, the following fact is true, 75% of all new and improved products and services fail within five years with most of them failing within two years. 75% failure rate, doesn't matter whether you're Procter & Gamble or John's Plumbing, it really doesn't matter. And they fail primarily because the benefits that that they're trying to deliver are not dramatically better better and better enough to get um, get customers to switch from a competitor to their product. If you could just focus on that, what does it take to get competitive customers to switch to mine? That's where people underestimate and set the bar too low, invest a lot of money in innovation, only to wake up and see that they failed. If they do succeed, though, there's a lot of business owners who become, well, let's say, fat and happy, even though they were doing a a great job, even though they had a great product. Mary, that's an absolutely great insight on your part, and you're 100% right. There are so many companies that get to the top of the mountain and say, you know, I'm going to stay here forever, and ask the people at Kodak, what happened to the film business? (laughs) Well, it's all digital. I'm 
Sorry, it's gone away. And Kodak decided to try and do get into the digital camera business well after the train had left that station. No doubt. So, and and I'll give you I'll give a very quick example. I worked at Procter and Gamble. They were working on coffee products that were iced coffees that were like frappuccinos and all that sort of stuff, but they got out innovated. Procter and Gamble. Large, large, multi-billion-dollar company, lots of resources, doing all this sort of stuff. They got out innovated by this guy out in Seattle who built this thing. What's it called? Starbucks, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and just you know, little you know, little Starbucks starting out in Seattle out innovates Procter and Gamble, and that's because it's a dramatically fast-changing world, as you just yeah. just noted. If you don't have an ongoing innovation program, you will fail. And how did Starbucks defend against the Keurigs? I mean, I have an espresso uh, machine that makes me lovely lattes in the morning. I don't have to go pay $5 for my Starbucks. Yes, and uh, well, first Starbucks tried to get is into the business themselves with a machine that begins with a V, Verissimo, or something like that. So they tried to get into the business. Epic fail. Then they put Starbucks... Yeah, and that hasn't gone anywhere. Then they put Starbucks coffee into K-Cups. I'm not sure where that has gone. I don't think it's gone very far. What that is, in a sense, Mary, is two different markets. Coffee to be consumed at home and and coffee to be consumed away from home where there's the ambiance and the social connection and all the rest that goes on with it. Exactly. To your point, to your point, Mm -hmm. I, I have found I'm doing certain things now that I in terms of how I prepare coffee at home that have dramatically reduced my time at Starbucks. Starbucks should sell the experience because if you're just going to go buy yourself a $5 coffee, you might as well stay at home. Richard, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more, if they would like to uh, uh, scratch that itch a little bit after this podcast, how would they go about doing that? Thank you very much. Um, Two things. One, you could email me directly, richard at i the number 2GE.com. Just email me. Second, I invite you to go to iTunes for the Innovation Best Practices podcast. It's free. And there's also a free app for Android devices and for the iPad and iPhone. So free podcast. Email me directly. You can go to i2GE.com very rich resources at that website. There you go. And while you're there at iTunes, of course, you can uh, listen to the many smart companies shows available on iTunes and Stitcher. Are, are you on Stitcher, Richard? I sure am. Now, we're out yep, there everywhere. You, can, you can't hardly turn over a rock without finding a podcast. <laughs> and we want to <laughs> thank you so much for your time and for joining us here at Smart Companies Radio today. It's been great. Thank you. And if you'd like to know more about growing your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, and make sure and have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.